0: Well, our text this morning is Lamentations 5, and again, we have worked our way through a difficult uh, book. Uh, short, but difficult. The, the title kind of sums it up. <laughs> okay, the title uh, gets to it, right? The Book of Lamentations. This is a book of tears, a book of sorrows, and uh, the the poet has has gotten to it for us. It's been some language. I, I do encourage you to go back and read it. It's, we're doing this because of the season of Lent. It's a good Lenten contemplation to have to wrestle with hard things that are uncomfortable that, sure, we, we, every Sunday is not going to be lamentations, but it's good to have seasons of it to be sure. You'll remember again that we said these are five poems. They are, they are independent poems, but brought together. And here we come to the last. As we do so, we'll remember that what the prophet is lamenting is the judgment of God. Not just the discipline of God, though it is that. It is is ultimately discipline. But we've made the point that Israel here is standing in the role, in some sense, of Adam. Just as Adam was a singular representative of all humanity, In another sense, and in a lesser sense, okay, so I'm not equating Israel to Adam, but in in an analogous sense, Israel is a national representative of all humanity. So in Adam, all men die because all have sinned. But then out of Adam, God chose Abraham, and and through Abraham's seed, all the nations would be represented. Through you, uh, uh, Abraham, and your seed, all the nations will be blessed. Israel is now a representative nation, a nation that is going to be the means by which all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Now, of course, as I tell my students all the time, this is a big fat question mark over the entire Old Testament. Like, how do sinful nations get blessed? How do nations under curse ever get blessed? Like, if you don't take time to think about that, you just think, okay, you know, Great, blessings coming. Yeah, but you, you forget there's a curse there that has to be dealt with. You get, you don't just you don't just say, okay, move the curse aside. Let's have blessing. Like the curse has to be dealt with. So when God comes to Abram and He says, Abram, through you and your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. On the one hand, it's like, yay. And then it's like, oh, how that means curse is gonna have to be dealt with. It's like, it's like when Ezekiel eats the scroll or or John, you know, it 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 tasted sweet and then it turned very sour in my stomach. And, and that's the role of Israel. Israel is representatively, if you will, bearing the curse. Now, ultimately, they can't do it. They can't bear the curse for the world. And so it will come by a representative of the representative of the representative. You know, it will come, it will come of that one who is the representative of Israel, who is the representative of Adam. You know, Jesus Christ himself will come and bear the full weight of the sin of the nations on behalf of Israel. For the sake of the world. So what we're looking at here, what, what the author of Lamentations is lamenting is the judgment, the wrath of God being poured out upon them. But we don't just look from a safe distance. Again, if Israel is our representative in that sense, then this is the wrath you deserve. And we've heard some pretty hard things, you know, the enslavement, the the just ravaging of the people by an enemy power, the smashing of the face into the gravel. I mean, just image after image of horrible judgment. And we know, as we thought about the eight, a week or two ago, that like in the book of Revelation, where the judgments of this age are like trumpets being sounded. Oh, they're bad. This is bad. But it's just a trumpet warning of the ultimate judgment that is to come. And so Lamentations needs to stir all these all these thoughts up in our head, thoughts that make our our knees tremble and buckle over the wrath of God. We should tremble before the wrath of God. And Lamentations is meant to help us do that. Now, this poem begins with a beautiful word, one of my favorite words in the Bible. There's a couple of them that I have. Um, Behold is one of them. But is another one. Um, But this is also one of my favorites in my Mount Rushmore of words in the Bible, and that is remember, remember. And the text begins here with a prayer, essentially. Remember, O Lord. Turn it around and put it in the negative. Do not forget us, O Lord. They feel forgotten. They feel forsaken. Obviously, this has been five poems of forsakenness. And this last one begins, remember, O Lord. And I don't know if it's the first time it's mentioned, but where my mind connects with this immediately is back in Genesis 8. Genesis 8, you will remember, is the story of Noah. And Noah has been called to build this ark and the wrath of God is coming, right? And the wrath of God is poured out, very similar to this, but just a different model of it, a different trumpet blast. And in the case of Noah, it wasn't an army that came in and invaded them. It was a flood that came in and invaded them. And it just cleansed the earth and, and brought that kind of destruction that the Babylonians bring to Israel. The flood brought to all the earth. And Noah, who had a life, Noah, who had something good going in life, had a plot of land, was living his life, is now on a boat. With no land in sight with, Lord knows, I don't know how many animals are on there, and his family, and that's it. Like, try to place yourself in Noah's shoes. Like, so what, what do we do now? He's just floating around the sea, and that's all there is, is sea. And then, in chapter 8, it begins, And the Lord remembered Noah. And the Lord remembered. That's a very interesting way to say it. I can say, and then the Lord said, and then the Lord did this or did that. No, it says, and the Lord remembered Noah. He did not forget. Noah might've felt forgotten. I mean, it just, imagine the despair. Like it's, you you kind of, the Lord's made some promises. I'm going to do this through you. But boy, it doesn't feel like it. And then in chapter eight, and the Lord remembered Noah. And, That's why I appreciate the prayer here of the author of Lamentations because he's calling on that. Lord, you are a God who remembers. You don't forget. And then you'll remember that at the end of the story, so the Lord remembers Noah and then he brings him through the flood and after the flood, sets him on the land and then puts a bow in the sky. And why was that bow in the sky? To remember. But who to remember? We've talked about this before. We often think, well, the bow is in the sky so that we remember that God will never flood the earth. No, that's not what it says. He says, look, Noah, I put my bow in the sky, so every time I see it, I will remember. Every time I see it, the Lord is speaking. Every time I see it, I will remember. So rainbows are in the sky so that you remember that he remembers. The rainbow is there to remind you that he remembers. He hasn't forgotten, even though sometimes we feel forsaken. And so I love the fact that, though this is still a very hard chapter, it's still a a crying out in despair. What What the author of Lamentations is doing at the very beginning is asking the Lord to do what he does, remember. Remember us. Remember, O Lord, our status. Remember that we're out here on this ark, you know, floating around in open sea. Remember, O Lord, what has come upon us. Look and behold. Another one of my Mount Rushmore words, behold. But, but these two things are words that, the, the two, two beautiful words, because and I've pointed this out every time the word behold is used, I, I love to hunker down on it because it, it, you know, it means to look, but to look in a way that apprehends, that grabs it, you know, behold. Lock your eyes on it. But, but what's interesting about this is, these two things, remember and beholding, he's actually asking the Lord to do. Where typically these are things we're told to do. You know, remember the Lord who bought you, you know. Behold, the marvelous deeds of the Lord. But here he's asking the Lord to do it. Lord, please remember us. And behold, don't turn your eye away from our reproach, from these awful things that are being done to us. And then, of course, he just lists them out. Our inheritance has been turned over to aliens. The very gift you gave us. Right, the inheritance was their land. It was, it was the promise of the Lord in the very beginning when God called Abram. Abram, I'm giving you this land. Like, this is my gift to you. You're my son. And as my son, this is your inheritance. And Lord, look, it's been overrun by aliens. The Babylonians are just coming and claiming it for themselves, kicking us out. Our inheritance has been turned over to aliens, our houses to foreigners. We become orphans and waifs. Our mothers are widows. We pay for water to drink. They, did, they had no idea about water bottles and that whole deal that we were going to do this willingly one day. But, but they, 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 to them, to them the, idea, <laughs> the idea of paying for water. And we were like, hey, wait a second. That's a good idea. That's a... But you get the point. We're used to having our own. Now we can't even, we can't even find water. Our wood, our firewood, anything to build comes at a price. They pursue us on our heels, we labor and have no rest. We have to put our hands out like beggars to the Egyptians and the Assyrians, oh gosh. The Assyrians, I mean, they're just the worst. Remember, Jonah didn't even want to go there. I mean, they were the ones that dragged the northern kingdom of Judah off. And now we're having to turn to these horrible people like beggars, asking them to provide for us. We get our bread at the risk of our lives. Our skin is like a hot oven. We deal with famine. Our women are being raped in Zion, our maidens in the cities of Judah. Our princes, our leaders, our nobles are being hung up by their hands. Our elders, our, our older men and women are just are, are being disrespected. Young men grind, ground down as servants and millstones and staggering under the loads of wood that, that is there. They're taking the role of beasts of burden. They're like animals. They're being treated as slaves. We've lost all our joy. The elders have ceased gathering at the gate. The the gate of the city is where the business of the city took place. It's where the life of the city took place at the gates, but now gone. So that when he says the elders aren't at the gates, no one's at the gates, it's just like the life of the city is sucked out. The young men have, have lost their music. The joy of our heart has ceased. Our dance has turned into mourning. And then maybe kind of culminating it, crowning it, in verse 16, the crown has fallen from our head. So all of this sort of spiral of just terrible things, which again, if we've been reading Lamentations, you're, it's, a, it's a spiral you're, you're familiar with, but, but it kind of comes down to this, the crown has fallen from our head. And, and this is literally like the king is gone their king has been taken out in slavery and so their crown has fallen but israel too i mean they were to be the kingdom of kingdoms they they were to be the crowning jewel if you will of creation because they were the representative head of all the nations and now look at what has become of them they are ruled by slaves they say like we've gone from we've gone from this place of supremacy. I don't, I don't just mean in power, but in glory. I mean, you are the, God called you his son. He, when, when he takes them out of Egypt, he says, you tell Pharaoh, let my son go. My firstborn son. I mean, you just, you're, you're the son of the father. You don't get, there's no nation getting that in the old Testament. So you, you've gone from that to this place of complete degradation. Crushed in every way we just looked at. Being ruled by slaves. There's slaves, there's all these stratum of society, and then there's slaves. And you are so low that, that, that the slaves are like kings to you. That's so, he's just, they found every poetic way to say, it's really bad. The crown indeed has fallen from our head. And connected with that in verse 16, a confession woe to us so here's his summary of it woe to us for we have sinned it's it's and what's beautiful about that is it, it isn't just crying so he asked the Lord to remember and behold our reproach he knows the Lord has done this because we've made that point I've entitled one of the sermons That way, that throughout this all, he has not mentioned the Babylonians once. Even though they're the ones doing this to him, it has been the Lord doing this to them. He acknowledges that. But in the end, even that, he's not blaming the Lord. It is the Lord doing this, but he acknowledges the crown has fallen on our head. Woe to us, curse to us, for we have sinned. All this stuff I've lamented in these five chapters is because we have sinned. Now again, you can see how they are a picture of all humanity. I mean, in some sense, that's the story of Adam. Adam was the king of creation, he had a crown. Right? In Genesis 1:27, God makes man in his image, and then he says, Now be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And then he says, Rule over it. Subdue it. Rule over it. He he gives a crown to Adam. Here, you wear this crown, you know why you wear the crown? Because you're my son. You're my son. I brought you to life. And you are made in the image of your father. So you rule, here's a crown. And when they sinned, as is being confessed here, the crown fell from their head. And out they went into exile, completely ashamed and ruined and broken, and frankly, on their way to returning back to dust. I mean, think about the stratum of things. There are things in this world, and then there's dust, and you, Adam, will be below that. You will be buried in that. Dust will dominate you. That's how low it will be. So even in Adam, we see this same thing. In Israel, it's, it, it's playing out again on this grand broad national level of Israel's sin. And then the poem, while well, it doesn't end this way, you can see how this poem ends. It's not the ending you or I would write. And frankly, it's not the ending you and I want. It, like you're starting to feel when he turns right now to what he's about to say, you feel like, yes. Again, like I prayed for Stephanie must feel like a free fall and what we pray for is that you'd hit solid ground and on that you can stand and that's what we have in Christ of course that's what we pray and so you feel that in lamentations and it's like you know all of a sudden you hit something and it's like okay the Lord and it would be great if it just ended that way but it ends with a it's like a little bit of suspense unless you have utterly rejected us. <laughs> like, oh no, don't end that way. And are angry with us. But before we get there, let's look at the bedrock. Because here we do find solid ground. We've been on this spiral of lament. But then he says, you, O Lord, remain forever. We have fallen. We've lost our crown. We're down lower than servants. We're lower down than dirt, lower than dust. But you, Lord, remain forever. We've lost our throne, but your throne remains from generation to generation. Now back to the remembering, why do you forget us then? He, he, he began in the beginning, please remember, but he feels forgotten, right? We, listen, in this long, hard, cursed road that we're on, it feels like you're forgotten. I mean, even Jesus Christ on the cross says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forgotten me? He, he takes up David's prayer. And I, I, that, to me, validates prayers like this. It, it validates that cry to the Lord of the feeling of forsakenness. Your throne remains forever. Why do you forget us and forsake us for so long a time? But then the prayer in verse 21, turn us back to you. Right? Lord, you need to do this to us. Just as you brought the judgment, Lord, I'm asking you, repent me. Repent me. I know we need to repent but Lord I need you to repent me. I need you to make me repent. I need you to take us and turn us. And repentance that's what the word repentance means, right? It means a turning of the of the mind, a turning of ourselves. And the idea here is that we we are we have ourselves fixed on idols and sin. And what repentance is is a letting go and a turning and laying hold of. And the author of Lamentations is saying, Lord, Do that to me. You turn me. And the good news is, this is what the Lord does for his people. He he does not, the Lord does not sit arms folded in heaven saying, I'll wait. I'll wait until you're ready to come back in here. I'll wait until you make the turn. Now, he does call us to turn. There's no doubt about that. We are called to do it. But the good news of our faith is that our God does not sit in heaven waiting for us to approach him. He, in his rich, unbelievable mercy, comes to us and turns us. He repents us and turns us to himself. Restore us, O Lord, says the psalmist in Psalm 80, and we'll be made new. Yes, the Lord must act. And he, the, the good news of the gospel is that our God does. He initiates. He makes us born again. He comes to Lazarus in the grave and says, Lazarus, come forth. He doesn't say, Lazarus, whenever you're ready. He comes to Lazarus and says, Lazarus, come forth. And brings us to him. That's why I told you one of my Mount Rushmore words is, but. For in Ephesians 2, he says, we were dead in our sins and trespasses, you know, we walked in the power of the darkness of the air and the spirit who works disobedient, you know, all that, you know, bad, it's bad, it is bad in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And then in verse 4, it says, but, but God, who is rich in mercy made us alive together with Christ, even when we were dead in our sins and trespasses, right? You were dead. You were being dragged out by the Babylonians. You were lower than dirt. You had no hope in you. But but God, who is rich in mercy, did not forget. But God, who is rich in mercy, did not forsake. But God, who is rich in mercy, came and repented you turned you to himself. How? By being the one who gave up his crown, if you will. Right. He, he is the one who, though he was equal with God, did not cling to his equality with God in terms of honor and glory. But emptied himself, taking the form of a servant and being obedient even unto death. Right? He comes down under the servants. He's the servant of servants. He has his own servants beating him, spitting on him, and nailing him to a cross. That's how low he goes. The one who is equal with God, the Father, comes down under the servants and is crucified so that there he might Turn us to himself and bring us back. Therefore, he was given the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee might bow and every tongue confess. And Paul says, have that mind in you. That's what God is doing in you. And so we come to the minor key note at the end. This ends on a minor key, a flat. How do you say it? I guess if it's a note, is it a flat? I don't know. Where's Tim? I need Tim here. It ends. It ends on a flat. It ends on. Oh Ben, ben I got Ben here. <laughs> what am I talking about, Tim? I got. I, I Ben's like. Oh, well, what am I back here? I'm, I'm like. <laughs> <Ben's> like <laughs> ben, you've been away a few weeks. Okay, so I. Forget. Ben, what I guess it's like if I wanted to end it on a just a note of sadness. For, money. Okay. Ben, I apologize. I, I. It ends with. It ends with. A note of tension. It ends with a note that leaves the question mark in our head. Turn us back. You're feeling like, oh my gosh, okay, yes, great. Turn us back to you, O Lord, and we will be restored. Renew our days of old. Unless, of course, you have rejected us forever. And you're very angry with us. The end. (laughs) It's like, oh. Unless, unless it's over, Lord. And, And I think on the one hand, he acknowledges it could be it could be it would be absolutely just for that to be the case so if that's the case i get it i get it but this is where again we need to know the whole story because the answer to this the the answer to that tension the 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 response of to that that little note of questioning Discomfort and despair is given to us in Christ because Christ is the definitive answer no to that. No, I am not angry with you forever. No, I have not rejected you forever. So much so that I myself will come and restore you. I will do it. I will do what you cannot do. I will take your shame. I will take your guilt. And in so doing, I will return you. That is what the good news of the gospel is. That is the story of Jesus Christ. That's the story that this trajectory is on, that we're moving toward Holy Week, because we're going to move to the very dark. It's not going to get, you think this is dark. You haven't gotten darkness until you get to the darkness of Good Friday. Then you know darkness. But it's in that darkness that you see light, maybe for the first time, shining in all of its glory. And hence we took up Lamentations for this season of Lent and may it be used by the Lord to fill our heart with these prayers. Lord, remember us. Remember us as you have in the Lord Jesus Christ and may it prepare us for the celebration of Good Friday and of Easter Sunday. So we're ending it a week early. I will not be here next week as I'm uh, traveling. I'll be away for the weekend. Um, And so Chris Grant uh, will be here to preach and then uh, when I come back, it'll be Palm Sunday. And so we'll be, we'll be beginning the narrative of the road to the darkest. And as I say, the worst Friday in the history of Fridays, which is called Good Friday. So that beautiful paradox and tension is where we're moving. And Lamentations, I hope, has prepared us for that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We thank you that you remembered Noah. And we thank you, Lord, that you have remembered us. That you have not cast us off forever. But that you sent your only begotten son, that he might come and turn us and restore us. And so we thank you that in him we have solid ground. And in him we have salvation. And so use this book, we pray, to Warn us to open our eyes with regards to our sin, but also, Lord, in thinking on Christ to refresh our souls, that we, we might rejoice in the salvation that is ours through him. We give you thanks in his name. Amen.